Brian Cacophony tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, the Doctor Who podcast that loves to celebrate the show in all its forms, well, most of them, whether on TV, audio books, animations, or anything else. This is episode number 99. I'm still Kenny Smith, and I've still got a sidekick. And who are you today, co-conspirator? Well, last time I checked, I'm still John Boland. Hi, Kenny. Hi, everyone. How are you, John? Great to see you as always. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Really excited about the news that we're going to be talking about. Yes, indeed. We are going to be chatting about the news that season 22 is going to be released on an eight-disc Blu-ray set, so we can get the complete Colin Baker era virtually now. So yes, quite exciting. We're getting this and the fact it's on eight discs as well, so a hell of a lot of content. So where were you in 1985 in January when this was released? I was, uh, if memory serves, I was recording season 22 onto a a little tape recorder and listening to it over and over again, so that for at least some of the stories, I was word perfect. It's great, isn't it, having those, because I remember doing that with Resurrection, and we recorded it onto VHS. Well, no, it wasn't VHS, we had a video 2000, but because the tapes were double-sided and were super expensive, obviously we didn't keep too much for too long. So I waited until my mum and dad and my sister had either gone out or something for the day and got our tape recorder and I recorded it onto a C45 cassette so it fitted perfectly. Exactly. Well, that's that's what I was doing. I was I was uh, I was recording it uh, onto VHS but uh, but still doing it and um, still maintaining my practice of doing the the C45 uh, cassette recordings yeah. and then listening to them. Yeah, uh, well, I was over in... and over and over again. Yeah, I was halfway through primary six at the time, which makes me feel quite old when I think about it now. Well, I'm not going to tell you what age I was, but I wasn't in primary six. Were you at secondary? Yes, that's as far as I'm going. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Well, that's fine. You could have just been in first year or second year for all we know. Well, I I do know. I can can work it out. I'm not going to tell the the listeners your age because a gentleman would never do that if you do not wish to reveal it. Exactly. Yeah, I even remember having a discussion with my teacher, Mrs Nisbet, who said the doctor could make the TARDIS go anywhere he wanted. And he's like, no, he couldn't. It was randomly careering about time and space. Yeah, it ended up wherever it took him. So, yeah, I've got silly things that stick in your head. So, there we go. So, yes, Randomly were, careering? Yeah, there's, for want of a... It was point. my career. Pretty random. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine feels like that at the moment, but uh, hopefully more on that in the future. Yeah some interesting stories here in this six attack of the cybermen i remember at the time watching it and thinking "Ooh, references to the cybermen and all that stuff and obviously we didn't see it and then being slightly disappointed when the tombs looks nothing like what we've seen in all those pictures in doctrine magazine and it looked just like a 1980s double glazing sales room really with lots of doors yeah yeah although i i, I wasn't so disappointed because I was just excited that the Cybermen were back. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is really gritty. You know, this is a really you know, a hard-edged story. I'm liking this. Uh, and the fact that it did feel like an alien planet, the exterior filming work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it, it, it did feel a little bit, yeah, a little bit like the 80s double glazing showroom, as you said, uh, with a bit of glitter uh, sprinkled around. Um, yeah. But I thought the Cybermen worked worked well and uh, it was obviously good to have the original cyber controller back albeit in a new zoot suit um, <laughs> and uh, obviously looked as if he had 
discovered quite a few of the cyber pies as well. Yes, that's uh, what I was the, just about to say. In the intervening period. <laughs> Maybe it was additional data storage. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Let's yeah. be kind. That's, Let's that's be kind. a nice way to put it. But I really enjoyed, I mean, obviously I enjoyed episode one a hell of a lot more than episode two. Um, I just like the whole tone of it and it did feel like Houston Films TV series, you know, something it felt like something like um the professionals or something like that. Just that's uh, that slightly more gritty kind of feel to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was quite yeah. it felt different because they definitely feel like two very different stories when you watch them, one pretty much being location based and the other all in studio. Yeah. And then we went on to Vengeance and Varos, which as a story that is in many ways so, so far ahead of its time, where it's basically mm-hmm. people sitting at home watching other members of the public perform their entertainment. Yeah. Nowadays we'd be saying, oh, how meta, but we yeah. uh, we didn't really discuss things in such terms. No, I thought, I thought that was really good. And one of the few stories that I've come to enjoy more in hindsight, precisely because of that, you know, especially when you get a sense of what was going on in the background for the show at the time uh, being scrutinised and how is it competing in the in the dynamics of getting getting an audience getting the big ratings figures the power of life and death of the of the TV controllers and all that so yeah I thought that worked really well and I think it has you know poor Colin was rather badly served by his cliffhangers especially in the trial of the Time Lord but I think he gets to have one of the, the truly great cliffhangers in, in the whole of the the whole of the series with the countdown to the the cut yes. um, cliffhanger, I thought that was excellent. Still think, still think that too. Yeah, definitely. It's way ahead of its time, and it's the sort of thing you could imagine Russell T would happily do, mm-hmm. even now, or or perhaps will do that sort of. Yeah, very much being TV about TV, which was something that you wouldn't get too often. A bit Nigel Neal almost in concept. So. I mean, I remember watching at the time thinking, ooh, it's a bit more gritty and violent than you'd expect. I mean, I know there's the whole controversy over the acid bath scene and the Doctor almost gets away with a a James Bond type, ooh, type look after the two guys that were trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because it's very much Eric Sayward has taken the tone that they had established in, I suppose, that he'd come up with for Resurrection of the Daleks and Earthshock and then... Obviously, Robert Holmes had done a bit more of that with Caves of Androzani, where death is around every corner, and did make it a lot more... It did feel a lot harsher and more brutal throughout this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, something that... definitely. definitely. I, I do feel, perhaps, that it's a bit almost like Peter Capaldi would later get. You'd get the Doctor... Perhaps you'd get this more harsh, more alien Doctor, and I think it took people quite a wee while to warm to that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I think it's also a story where the background characters have real depth to them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Martin Jarvis's character, was he, was he a governor or... That's right, yep. I can't remember how he's described, but there's a, there's a real depth to that and to his dilemma. Mm-hmm. That ultimately, his head's on the block as well. And of course, still... <laughs> you all right? You okay? All right, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, that's your usual laugh, isn't it? But again, I suppose by by, by those standards, uh, the standards of, of of the day, that was that was a really well realised creature, yeah, uh, and made such an impact. They deserve to come back and and mind warp. Yep, because I've got the action figure of Sil, and when my Katie was what, three or four, I had the Sil figure, and she used to love to play with my Doctor Who figures, and she'd come in and help herself to take them off the shelf, and she always liked playing with Sil, who she described as Poo Man. <laughs> 
I don't know if Nabil Shaban would be very happy with that. No, but, yeah, I don't I, think he would. I see, but... I, see, I see where she's coming from. Yeah, I think Definitely. it was the I think it was the little spirally tail. <laughs> to, that. Yeah, these, I always, these are not images we want in our heads. No, Jenny, definitely please, not. Let's move okay. on. Okay, well, we'll finish up just by saying Arakaneta, the other guest characters, the viewers at home, who are fantastic. And of course, Sheila Reed would later find quite a bit of fame in Benidorm. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. And Clara's um, nan, or Clara's gran as well. She's, uh, yeah, she does show up later on, so yeah. And then we have Mark. sufficiently credited in the Doctor Who world. I think maybe this should be, this should be a spin off. <laughs> There's an idea. Who knows? Mark of the Rani. Now, I think this is probably the most traditional of the stories in this season. And we get to meet the fantastic Rani, played by Kato Mara. And I very nearly said the fantastic Mara, played by Kato Rani. Uh-huh. What did you Easily think of the Rani? I really enjoyed her as a character. I thought she was very well realised. And again, I suppose, ahead of its time, the idea of a, a renegade time lady full of sass making the master seem a little bit uh, a little bit lame almost in comparison so yeah so i think she kind of stole the the renegade gallifreyan limelight in that story yeah um, she for me was the was definitely the highlight i do occasionally have traumatic flashbacks to the the tree metamorphosis um, <laughs> which <laughs> wake up in a cold sweat yeah oh, was that real did that really happen i think it did I'm sure it wasn't a tree. It might just have been a rubber plant. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. maybe Perhaps. maybe they could do some CGI on it. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a, you know, a splendid mm. Peter Jackson, Ent style thing. Yeah. Probably not. I realise I'm getting my expectations up here. But we'll come to the extras shortly. No, I really I quite like Mark of the Rani. I think it's got a nice feel to it, and I think the Rani is a fantastic character when she starts out. She's very much she's in control and as you say very much 21st century she takes no nonsense and I love the fact that she almost thinks it's her show and the doctor and the master are just getting in the way and ruining her fun the disdain she holds everyone else in is wonderful Uh, just that um, sense of superiority and yeah I I really enjoyed that one and yes I look forward to having the chance to see that and then of course move on to the two doctors which was uh, when I was watching this first time around this was a real highlight for me getting to see more mm. Patrick Troughton and more Jamie alongside the Doctor and Perry and I have to say that um, this is my favourite outfit that Perry wore so just <laughs> just putting that out there just for the record just mm. for the record yeah yeah. well I mean I absolutely adored this story when it when it came out just the way how it starts off in the black and white back in the old TARDIS that was that was a real thrill for me and it was great to see as you said the the second Doctor and Jamie. Jamie, of course, looking virtually unchanged yeah. uh, when he last appeared in the role. Quite remarkable. I was a, a little bit of a niggle, I suppose, that they that they let Patrick try and keep his, his own hair, but with those very obvious grey streaks in it. Mm-hmm. I thought, hmm, you know. But no, I really, I really liked it. I thought Robert Holmes' script was, well, typical of his his style of writing and that he gives us all of these great pairings. And in a sense, it's a, it's a story of pairings. With Shokai and Jusenia and even the even the Sontarans and Anita and what's his name again? Oscar Oscar Botcherby, yes, yes. So yeah, just all those little almost comedic pairings that, that, that Robert Holmes writes so well. And I thought the Sontarans were okay. You know, we might be discussing Sontarans in the not too distant future. I thought they were alright. Just a bit big. I loved the concept of the Andragums. I thought they were 
you know, a great idea, especially if you were considering vegetarianism or veganism as a as a life option. Just slightly let down in their realization as well. You know, I, th I think the fact that they looked so human, with the exception of having attack eyebrows and <laughs> and, and some disco freckles, yeah, kind of weakened the the whole discussion of Jamie's physiognomy from a, a meat cuts point of view. You know, when it looked almost exactly the same as their own physiognomy. Yep. But as a but as a concept, I thought that they worked really well, and everyone got a lovely holiday out of it. <laughs> um, so so that was good. I mean, there's absolutely no reason for them to be to be in Spain, you know. And it kind of almost gets crammed in as a kind of a last minute runaround in the streets of Seville. But it could have been anywhere. It could have been East Kilbride or uh, anywhere for that for that matter. But yeah. still, it was nice to see them enjoying themselves in the sunshine. Yeah, could have been Rotterdam or Liverpool or anywhere with Rome. To go for a bit of a beautiful south. Yes, I know. Oh, I, mean, I, I think yeah, it's uh, yeah. very interesting. Your Jackie Abbott retweet. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. don't, don't, don't mention that. <laughs> I like to try and do it subtly. I, uh -huh. I enjoyed two doctors, and this is one that I had on video and again recorded onto audio. But I think, bizarrely enough, I actually kept episode one. Managed to keep that one, but episodes two and three were later wiped, but episode one somehow survived. Just like BBC archives, you know, there's mm -hmm. no rhyme nor reason to it. Like yourself, I enjoyed it. I particularly yeah, yeah. love the dynamic between Troughton and Colin when we get them together and it's good fun and they're evidently having a ball and the fact that they've known each other for years because Colin was, I think it was a roommate with Patrick's son David and that obviously makes for mm -hmm. something a little bit special so they do have a prior relationship and I'm sure they'd worked together in something else beforehand. It's a good fun story and it's there is quite a dark heart to it, the fact that you're sort of like augmenting the doctor and wanting to cut mm -hmm. him apart so you can get the bits from so they can have the Kurtz Reimer and Some time machine. Nuclei. Absolutely yeah, and all that which yeah. uh, which is a wonderful term as well. It's typical Robert Holmes. All these, it? yeah. It's lyrical. <laughs> yeah. All these bits of jargon that become embedded in your head, you know? Yes. You say, Yes, this, this is a bit like the Kurtz Reimer experiments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I, that people don't usually bother to get. Exactly, but and also Jacqueline Pierce is just wonderful. I just love Jacqueline. I think she's okay. She's maybe playing a sort yes. of a variation in Serverland, but and I know she was cast late in the day when somebody else dropped out. But my God, she makes the part her own, and she's just oh, yeah. she, she oozes class and evil. Yes, yes. Even capturing the the kind of horror of the the blood licking mm -hmm. bit that I think made everyone go. Yeah, it was a very good that kind of the veneer of augmentation falling aside as she in a very feline manner laps up that that blood yeah oh yeah but she's also very seductive about uh, the part at other times as well and she's just yeah i can see why jacqueline pierce was cast and uh, she does it well what about the next one time lash it doesn't have the greatest reputations and i have to admit it's not one that i watched that often yeah I suppose, again, being there on the story, the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. Mm. You know, I, th I think we've, we've gone in for a lot of very sophisticated analysis of what went wrong in that story uh, and, and bits of it that didn't make sense. But I suppose principally the bits of it that didn't make sense were the bits that really pleased me the most. I mean, well, the, the viewers at home can't see I'm wearing my John Pertwee t-shirt yes. here, but, you know, just that little glimpse of John Pertwee and that kind of wall painting, I thought, oh, wow, it's, oh, it's the Doctor. Oh, oh we're well, not going to say the real doctor, but you know that really thrilled me. And okay, Paul Darrow is chewing the the scenery, and um, for all that he's worth, but you know, I, I don't think it just stands out particularly badly. I think there are some good ideas in it, some good concepts. 
I think the Borad's very well realised. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. Um, I think there's some good concepts and the, the whole H.G. Wells angle wasn't overplayed. But I thought, yeah, that, that, that kind of, you know, it's one of the first examples I think of those sort of historical or literary figures. The celebrity um, historical. Real, the celebrity historical, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, the doctor's part in, in shaping H.G. Wells' imagination. Yeah, um, I didn't get all the so references in this because uh, I had to go out and afterwards, I think this is when I went out and first read The Time Machine, having been inspired after watching this. So there we go, Time Lash can inspire and, you know, picked up on all the, you know, lots of the references like to the Morlocks and things like that and mm-hmm. uh, and The War of the Worlds I'd read later on. And you can see there's all these references and, yeah, but I mean, so far we've we've managed to avoid mentioning the bandrolls. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Maybe not Bandle the most successful. Mm. Well, I'm waiting to see what Russell T. Davis does with them. <laughs> I hear there's a possibility that he's going to be revisiting the Bandrels. I think uh, they actually appeared in, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm sure they've appeared in something like one of the the Lethbridge Stewart spin-off novels that are published by Candy Jar Books. I could be wrong, but I'm sure that I've seen right. the Bandrels <laughs> mentioned in there. So. That's, uh... yeah, but 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 they also not not name checked in one of the one of the the new series stories. Was there not something? Did they not get a mention? Uh, it wouldn't surprise and me. That caused a sort of a frisson of excitement. Maybe maybe it's a false memory. I'm doing false memory with students <laughs> just now, so it might be an example of that. I'm thinking of uh, Chelonians getting a mention from the new adventures, and uh uh-huh. and they obviously they get a mention in uh, the Pandorica opens. Uh-huh. Yeah, one by one. Have you ordered the new adventures Met- book? Have you got it through? Not yet. That's just reminding me. It's something I've not done that I promised to do. So no, I will. I will do it forthwith. I don't want to be accused of breaking a promise either to you or to to David J. Howe. It's it's I'm right on that website. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been through it again and just love looking at it. So there we go. And then of course we conclude the season with Revelation of the Daleks which I suppose it's the one that people tend to think of as being the greatest Colin story on TV, but ironically, he mm-hmm. doesn't feature in that much of it. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good story. I really enjoyed it on lots of different levels. As you said, all about Eric Sayward, kind of, I suppose, backward engineering the tone of it, you know, that this, this is pretty much as, as grim and as bleak as Doctor Who gets. You can't get any more obsessed with death being around every corner than having your principal action taking place in a, a huge sort of cryogenic and mortuary complex. But I, th- I thought it was really, a, really well done. He's having a go at the Robert Holmes vibe as well with some of the pairings in it. I thought Eleanor Braun was, was wonderful, attempting to outwit the great healer, but ultimately failing. But yeah, I mean, everything about it is, is really quite gross. It's pretty much in your face, bad taste almost. You know, Davros repurposing the dead as a, a highly nutritious, not a supplement, but a, a, a highly effective form of nutrition. But no, I loved it. I thought that, yeah, as you said, Colin, the Doctor doesn't feature very much in it. And for that reason, a lot of the background characters get to, again, become much more developed. The Knights of Oberon, was it? You know, that... You know they get they get a good a good outing, and the Daleks. Uh, you know, the, the, there's that kind of very childlike thing that as soon as you as soon as you see a Dalek, it's it's all wonderful. Um, yeah. And that horrible spin, of course, on the Daleks when you get got to see 
the hybrid being yes. created in that lovely transparent Dalek casing. Yep, the head um, of Arthur Stengos. Stengos, that's right, that's right. Yes, yes. You've really done your research on this today. I'm really, I'm really I'm sad really to say that I actually you. know it all in my head because when you know earlier on when you're mentioning uh, some of the characters and thinking like, yep, that's uh, the Borad. Yes, played by Robert Ashby. The Android, played by Dean Hollingsworth. I spent far too long reading the Doctor Who program guide. <sighs> well, your your research is admirable. I actually got mine out today, but I haven't actually oh, looked at it. Oh, very good. Tell. Just, um, <laughs> that's the, the television companion that you're holding out. I'm quoted yeah. in that in a few places. Really? I am. If you look up the abominable snowmen, there's a bit I, I'm in doing there. It now. I'm doing it now. Hang on. I think I'm also quoted about Planet of Evil as well. Just don't, don't go away. Oh, Kenny Smith and the Paisley Path and Doctor Who annual. Mm, issue 43. Yep. Leaving several questions until virtually climax. My goodness, this is. I'm, I'm, I'm all a quiver. Really am. I think it might even be quoted in Dragonfire as well. I cannot remember completely, but. I am, I am, I'm going to spend a sad Saturday morning going through the rest of this <laughs> just to see how many references there are. Oh, there's one or two. One or two. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one. It's a, a firm favourite of mine. It's the fact it's so dark, and I think it sort of goes with my humour. The fact it's so warped and twisted, and Davros gets to actually become quite funny as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, each of these stories have all got something for them. Even Time Lash is set in Scotland, partly, so we can't we can't uh, rubbish it for that, even if it is just a cottage in the banks of Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think Revelation's a real high point. The fact it's done with such wit, a brilliant cast, some fantastic direction, and I think the only thing that lets Revelation down in hindsight is the music by Roger Lim, which is just so whiny and miserable and depressing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's pretty much, when you listen to scores one at a time, they're great, but when you actually hear them in isolation and you think, actually, these pretty much all sound the same, just with those sort of yeah. droning sounds and synth- and I love my sense, but I'd say of the radiophonic musicians, he's the one who's most inclined to be playing similar stuff, whereas Peter Howell's got a hell of a lot of variety to him, Malcolm Clark and the others, but Roger Lim's mm-hmm. very, very limited yeah, yeah. in his, his style is is unexpansive. It, it does, it does jar a bit, it does jar a bit, now that you say that. But of course, the, the, you know, I mentioned the kind of the style of guest list uh, yep. on it, no, and, and, and neglected to mention, of course, Clive Swift that we spoke oh, about yes. <laughs> um, a few a few weeks ago, but getting yep. a great performance as Joe Bill. Yes. Uh, and Alexi Sale as the, as the DJ. L-E-X-E-I-S-C-Y-L-E. I was kind of going when I, when I heard that he was that he was going to be appearing, you know, I read mm. it in, in one, of the, one of the papers and I thought, oh God, here we go. But it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it could be. And in some respects, he plays the character quite well. Um, yeah. It is obviously a bit of stunt casting in true GNT style, but I think it works out rather better than some of his other bits of stunt casting. Yeah, I think he's great because I was a big Young Ones fan, so I was really excited to get to see Alexis mm-hmm. Sale and Doctor Who. So, yes, quite content with that. And of course, we've had Nigel Planer and Christopher Ryan, so sadly we'll never get Rick, yeah. but Aid Edmonton, we still yeah. knew. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Can but wish. Can but wish. But of course, this was all promoted with a new trailer with Nicola Bryant looking fantastic and going off on new adventures.
there. Stand. I said, stand. This memorial is off limits after dark. Explain yourself. Who are you? What do you know of the warrior queen? That she was mightier even than the king. That she ruled with both steel and compassion. And that she brought peace and prosperity to our people. Wow. <laughs> What's your name? Rex, my lady. Captain of the palace guard. Well, you can call me Perry. Or Queen. It's up to you. How is this possible? You, you vanished when I was a child, just after the king's passing. You were the eternal mystery. Oh, I like that. Only... Don't tell anyone the ending, okay? I don't know the ending. You didn't need a figurehead anymore. But I come back every year to remember. And to keep an eye on you lot. How did you cross the perimeter unseen? I had a little help. What is it? It's kind of like a magic door. And where does it lead? To adventure. Doctor Who, the collection. Hello. Hi. Season 22. I've regenerated. Stop! <laughs> All 13 episodes newly remastered. Excellent. And packed with special features. Did you enjoy the trailer? Yeah. Doesn't she look amazing? Absolutely stunning, Nicola Bryant. Um, and it was good to good to see, uh, as well as hear, Perry coming back. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, well, I was saying, I wasn't, wasn't sure. I was just kind of wondering about the, the dynamics of it. That's when you know you've got too much time in your hands when you're trying mm -hmm. to work out the storyline dynamics of a Doctor Who trailer. Does the Doctor bring, bring her back every year on that precise... Uh, occasion to, mm -hmm. to stand in front of the statue of King Arcanos. You know, why was the TARDIS there? One presumes that's, you know. So, yeah, I thought, oh, and which doctor is it then that's doing that? You know? Uh, well, the answers are all in Big Finish because it ties in quite nicely with the Widow's Assassin, where the sixth doctor meets an older Perry and they go off to have more adventures together. So, this would fit in quite nicely, but we can just take her back. Oh. I was going to write a story about that now, but now I realise it's been done. Yeah, it's been done. <gasps> Sorry. You're always puncturing my dreams, Kenny. Oh. Never mind. I'm so bad. Never mind. I'm so bad. That does explain it, then, given the fact that, and it also would fit in with what model of TARDIS exterior it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, uh, what do you think of the extras? The fact we've got more behind the sofa. I always yeah, quite like, I see I, we've got Sylvester and Peter doing it, because I always like doctors watching other doctors' stories when they do these. Yes, yeah, I, I really enjoy that, especially as as Colin's always so gracious about about everyone else's mm -hmm. eras, you know. So I hope I hope they're as, as equally as gracious with with his. You know, I love the behind the the sofa stuff. 
one of my favourite bits. I love my Matthew Sweet interviews as well. I yes. They, for me, are always a highlight that he gets to to ask a lot of the questions that you've wanted to ask, but also some that you never thought of. And in hindsight, you go, wow, isn't that an amazing, an amazing thing? And even some of the, the, the stuff around it, like when the, the, the Bob Baker interview he did in the last box set, I thought that was that was really, uh, that yielded lots of, lots of insights and was very touching at the end too with, with K9 and, and all that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so I really I really enjoy the Matthew Sweet stuff. And I'm, I'm hoping for, for other juicy extras as well. Yes, well, there's, a, there's the interview that they've confirmed is an extended chat with Michael Grade, which will be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Given his involvement given, in uh, axing the series, given the fact that what happened, yeah, what happened yeah. next after the, uh, I'll take you to uh, cancellation. <laughs> um, not Blackpool. Yeah. No, but just mm. having a scan through the other extras, extended episodes with Vengeance and Varos and The Two Doctors Part 1. We're going to get a fix with Sontarans, but I would imagine it be edited to take out the involvement of a certain individual. Right, I thought you were going to say to take out Tegan's mullet. No. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> also quite inexplicable by, by any sort of fashion standards. I don't know, I don't know what she was thinking. Yeah, uh, I don't even think I've watched fix with Sontarans all the way through mm-hmm. because I think maybe a bit of me was slightly jealous or resentful of, of the wee boy who gets yep. to play the Doctor and he doesn't seem to be enjoying it very much or giving it giving it much feeling yep. you know so I was I found myself in a strange position of critiquing the performance of a, a child <laughs> with a lot of my own agenda in the background so yep. I've not really I've not really watched it all, all, all the way through well, the good news for you is that he's doing a commentary on it with Colin Baker and Janet Fielding, young Gareth Jenkins, but obviously not young Gareth Jenkins, it'll be older Gareth Jenkins. I wonder if he's still got the Mison blaster, which he's given at the end. Well, we shall find out. I want to apologise in advance to Gareth if he should happen to listen to this. I'm, I'm sure I didn't fully appreciate all the nuances of your performance. Um, <laughs> and please don't come and hit me. Please. I think you're backtracking quite well there, John. I'm just, hang on, what's that I can hear? Yes, I thought that was oh, a reversing I, sound. I love a mullet, I have to say. Yeah. Um, Janet Fielding, if anyone could pull off a mullet, it would be her. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, there's some rare studio footage from behind the scenes on Vengeance, Two Doctors, Time Lash and Revelation, convention footage with Colin Baker, Jacqueline Pierce, and JNT. And then, of course, we get the Colin Baker years, the old VHS, but we get it on Blu-ray. Wow. I think I have it in VHS somewhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who presented that? Was Colin, did he do it himself? Colin did it himself it, and was, was given some yeah, clips. Yeah. And yeah, it should be fun. I do look forward to seeing it again because I've not watched it in so long. And of course, there'll be all the usual info texts and trivia, scripts, costume designs, production files, and PDF rarities, photo galleries, and one other little extra slip back the radio story. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I've, I've not heard that in with years. I think I think we should do an episode on that with the two Pertwee radio stories as well at some point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only listened to it the once. Who was the other played the whoever it was in it? Um, the villain was Orlis Mostyn Slarn, Captain Slarn. That's in the novelisation. And he was played by Valentine uh-huh. Dial. Ah, yeah. I was trying to remember. I knew it was someone who had substantial Doctor Who chops. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Valentine Dial, the man in black. That's him. Or the black guardian. 
That's what my dad always called yeah. him, the man in black, because that's who he'd played on the radio in the 40s, mm -hmm. 50s. So my dad always called yeah. him the man in black whenever he saw him or heard him. And yeah, that's that's really cool that you said that. That's made me smile. As did, as did my mum. That's how, you know, when I would be watching it, she'd be yeah. hovering about the back. So, oh, that's the man in black. Bless him. Yeah. That's excellent. Have you pre-ordered yours? Because I literally just pre-ordered mine today I because I was tidying up and found a couple of Amazon vouchers from Christmas 2020, which I've just put on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I've pre-ordered this and I've also pre-ordered my Abominable Snowmen and only to pay a fiver because I had, um, I think I'd, I think yeah, I'd, six, I'd 60 quid in vouchers. So I just had to put a fiver to it Lucky and that's you. what I bought them. So yay. Lucky you. Yes, yes, I have. I have pre-ordered. Uh, I have pre-ordered them, yeah. When the announcement came out, because I know that we were probably due or maybe overdue an announcement yeah. of what the next box set was, to quote Paul McGann, to quote the Eighth Doctor, it wasn't the Doctor I was expecting. <laughs> uh, I thought we might be, I thought we might get maybe the season before, season season 21, or yeah. maybe go back to, uh, or 20, or maybe another, um, another Pertwee to mm -hmm. synchronise with the return of the Sea Devils, but it's a really good series, though. Season season twenty two is one that I have a lot of affection for, and I think looking at it, you know, and, and this is maybe something that Matthew Sweet will put to grade, is that you know this was actually a really good, really good series, and it, it doesn't really merit cancellation, you know, and to uh, and I, I hope he'll put his hands up and admit that it was because of of other things they wanted to do with the money, because I think creatively it's a really good season. Tonally, yes, there were those slight concerns about violence that were going around at the time, but it's not. You know, the show had to, to evolve and change, and I think it was mirroring a lot of the societal shifts at the time as well. So, an unfair cancellation. Let's not go back down that road again, no. and certainly let's not play Doctor in Distress. Well, funnily enough... <laughs> I'm glad what you mentioned that, John, because... Yes, given that you mentioned it, I think that we should play out today with a variety of artists, including Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant, Nicholas Courtney, Anthony Ainley, Christmas favourite Jonah Louie, comedian Faith Brown, Hazel Dean, Bobby G from Bucks Fizz and David Van Day. How can you not want to hear Doctor in Distress? Well, I'm really upset that you've deprived me of the canonical formula that I'm supposed to utter at this point in the podcast, <laughs> asking you what you're going to play uh, I'm also upset that you refer to Faith Brown as as a comedian and not as a cry-on. Um, <laughs> it's a cry-on shame, uh, I should have done better. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but, well, I guess that is what you're going to be playing, Kenny. Maybe it is. But John, great to see you as always, and we'll be back very soon for some more Doctor Whoing It Up. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
Canine computer. 